Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, we're going to jump right in for time's sake. We are wrapping up a message series entitled Losers. And if you're visiting with us, again, let me explain. We've been taking a look at individuals throughout Scripture that culture labeled them a loser. And you might be in this room today and you might feel that way. You might feel as if you've made decisions, choices that have labeled you uh, damaged goods that there's no future, no plan, no purpose, you've ruined your life, and not only do your family, your friends look at you differently, but you know in your heart you feel guilty because God must be looking at me in such a way to where he cannot use me like he once could. Well, if that's you, then you're in luck today because the great thing about an amazing God is he doesn't work the way that our culture does. In fact, he never gives up on us. And I'm gonna introduce you to a young woman in scripture that would have felt that same way, would have lived that kind of life, and God used her incredibly to be able to be a part of his purpose and his plan. If you visit New York City, if you go there, on one block there is a sculpture and a statue. And it's a statue of the Greek god Atlas. And Atlas, if you don't know much about mythology and and Roman culture, Atlas was a god that was punished by Zeus, and his punishment was as he was to carry the whole world upon his shoulder for the rest of eternity. And I think you can see a picture here, guys, if you have it, throw that up for me. And there's the picture of Atlas carrying and straining with the weight of the world upon his shoulders for eternity. And I think many of us feel like Atlas at times. Whether it's waking up at one o'clock in the morning and you have the weight and the stress of the world, it could be kid-related, it could be spouse-related, it could be job-related, it could be finance-related, it could be pandemic-related. You're going through such a period of time where every morning you wake up, you feel like Atlas and you have the weight of the world on your shoulder. And the worst thing about this is, is that when you have that weight, sometimes if you're a follower of Jesus, you forget that you have the most powerful being in eternity on your side. And you feel as if your hope window, that opportunity for you to get past this weight is gone because you can't see past it. Well, if that's you, I want you to lean into the story of this young woman, Rahab, because you could relate to her story. Let me give you some context and we're going to jump into the book of Joshua, chapter 2, verse 1. You have God's people. They've been wandering the desert for a really long time. And now is the time to where they're going to cross the Jordan River into the land that God promised them. And they're going to come to a city called Jericho. Which, by the way, if you visit Israel, Jericho still exists today. In fact, if you ever wonder, hey, when it says this in the Bible, is this accurate? Yes. Jericho is sitting here, and you have the Jordan River right beside it, and you can actually see this event unfold. And so Joshua sends two spies to go into Jericho to scout out their defenses, scout out the people, so they could come back and report and tell them the advantage to be able to go in and to be able to take the city and take the land that God has promised them. And this is where we pick up the story, Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp to Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Give you a little bit of context. Typically in these cities, you had walled cities with a gate. However, it wasn't just a single wall. 
Most cities were double-walled cities, and within those two walls, there was about 12 to 15 feet of distance. It was obviously for protection's sake, but when you entered into the gate of the city, if you were an individual that wanted to go and wanted to get a good night's rest, you wanted to be, if you were a male and you wanted to get a good night's rest with some company, then you typically would walk in and you would look to your left or your right and there'd be 12 to 15 feet of distance between the two walled gates. And places where it, men who wanted to be able to have a good night's rest, they would typically be located within this area. Why? Because if you were an individual who did not want to be seen, then you would quickly not enter the city you would enter into the city walls and you would stay there and then you would leave and no one would see you. So the two spies, they enter in. And why did the spies choose? Because some of you Bible study students are like, yeah, why did they choose Rahab's house? I'm just saying, well, part of the reason is, is they did not want to be seen. So they walked in, they make a quick left and they go and they're getting information on the city. And we pick up the story in chapter two, verse two and three. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house. for They have come here to spy out the whole land. Now, something interesting to know about Rahab. Rahab was known in history, if you actually look at the documents, Rahab was known as one of the four most beautiful women in the Middle East. Now you know why Rahab not only enjoyed sleepovers, but she also had a lot of friends with her that enjoyed sleepovers at a house. So Rahab is there. She is known throughout. The reason why I share this is not just for weird information, but you got to understand, this was a destination for a lot of individuals in the Middle East. This was a very, very popular place. Rahab was known by the king of Jericho. Rahab had it going on. She had a business, she was popular, and she had the future for her. Because in a culture where women had little to no rights, think about Rahab, she had it pretty good. And all of a sudden, she's gonna be faced with a choice. I think in life, there are two different types of choices. There are lateral choices and there are vertical choices. A lateral choice is one within culture that it's no skin off my nose. If I make this choice, I'm going to be good. Let me give you a case in point. Rahab, her business, thriving, everything's great. The king comes and says, you should tell us, bring those men out because we want to know where these spies are at. If I'm Rahab, I'm going to make a lateral choice because I'm not gonna get myself in trouble. I'm not gonna jeopardize my business. I'm not gonna jeopardize my friends. And so I don't know these two spies. Here they are, have at them. That's a lateral choice. Some of us, we make lateral choices every day. We walk into a group of friends. We're standing with them. Someone is saying something, talking about something that you know is not appropriate, not right. And you're standing there and you feel the Holy Spirit and you're just like, mm, this is not good. Oh, we should stop doing this. Mm, this is not a good choice. And everything in you screams that. But you make a lateral choice by doing this. You don't say anything. You don't confront. You just laugh it off. And that's a lateral choice. I don't want to confront. They're going to think I'm weird. I don't want to confront. They're going to get mad at me. I don't want to ruin my relationship. So I'll make a lateral choice and we'll go about our way. And, oh, God, I'm sorry. I should have done something different. But you know what? Hey, it's culture, life. I mean, what do you expect me to do? Lateral choice. But then there are vertical choices. 
And vertical choices are different because here's what vertical choices do. The Holy Spirit, for the followers of Jesus in this room, prompts your heart every day to make a vertical choice. And you will find, just pray, pray this prayer. I'm gonna give you danger. Let me give you a disclaimer. If you pray this prayer tonight and tomorrow, you watch it. If you pray, God, I pray that you would alert me to the vertical choices that I can make today. If you do that, I guarantee you, you are gonna see four, five, six, seven vertical choices you'll have the opportunity to take a step of faith with. So I'm just cautioning you. If you don't wanna do that, then that's fine. Make your lateral choices, that's fine. But I also wanna remind you of something. When you don't make a vertical choice and when you don't take steps of faith and when you don't trust in the God of the universe, then you might think, hey, I'm just living life, I'm doing okay, but remember what I said a couple weeks ago. If you're not moving forward, you are moving backward. If you are only making lateral choices with your faith life, you are moving backwards in your faith. When Pastor Aaron stands up here and says, hey, we need the church to step up for the lives of the next generation, and you feel in your heart God saying, hey, you could do that, Hey, you could give that, and if you ignore that because of your time, because of tiredness, because, yeah, do I really want to do this, then you are making a lateral choice. Because when the Holy Spirit speaks and says, take a step of faith, you say, God, it doesn't make sense. God, I don't want to. God, I don't understand. But your Holy Spirit says, yes, so God, I'm taking a vertical step and making a vertical choice. And the reason why I bring that up is guess what Rahab does? Rahab has no connection with these spies. But Rahab has heard about the God of the universe, the God of the Hebrews. And Rahab senses that I need to make a vertical choice. We pick up the story in verse 4. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Okay, yes, the men were here earlier, but I don't know where they're from. They left the town at dusk. Bible study students, lean in here because this is really interesting. They left the town at dusk. As the gates were about to close, I don't know where they went, but if you hurry, you could probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. The reason why I point that out is not only did Rahab protect the spies, but Rahab aided them on their mission. She made a choice to not only say they're not here, but she strategically pointed the guards in a direction that she knew would keep them away from the spies. Why do I know this? At dusk, when the sun sets, the gates of a city would close for the night. Did you notice? She said, hey, they ran out the gate. Just as the gates are coming to a close, they ran out the gate. If you hurry... You could catch him. Rahab knew if I send them out, they're going to go out the gates, and the gates are going to close, and it's going to give the spies an opportunity to escape or to get the information that they need. You want to talk about a vertical choice and a step of faith. Rahab has put her business and her life on the line for the God of Israel. Now, I say that. Because I think the reason why we don't make vertical choices is we, we forget that we serve and follow an incredible Savior who gives us all the power that we need to accomplish anything in life. If we call upon his name, we can move mountains. And let me give you a case in point. 
I, I didn't get home last night till 1.30 in the morning. If you know me on Saturday night, I'm in bed by 10. We had, I have a 13-year-old. I am Scalzetti Transportation Service, and so my son had a baseball tournament that got rain-delayed, and he didn't start his last game until 11.30 at night. Yes. So if I get a little punchy in here, you, you know why. Last night, he's starting pitcher for one of the games, and my son has always been confident playing baseball. I'm, I'm, I'm bearing my heart to you because it's a dad. If you're a dad of a kid, you know this. My son's always loved baseball. He's not the best baseball player. He's not the worst baseball player, but he competes, and he was a starting pitcher, and I've always watched him go out there with confidence, and last night, for the very first time in his life, I watched him go out to the mound, and he was different, and I'm watching from the stands, and I see my son who's not confident, and every pitch I could see him labor over, and, and it's as if he, he just doesn't have confidence in his ability to throw a strike, and in baseball, as a coach, we have a saying. We say, don't aim it throw it. Don't aim it. Throw it. And, and the meaning behind that is this. Trust in your abilities. Don't overthink it. Don't sit there and think, I hope I throw a strike. I hope I throw a strike. I hope I th oh, I'm going to try and hit right. Please, 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 please. Don't do that. Trust in the ability that you have. Trust in your mechanics. Get out there and just throw it with confidence. And so the first two innings, I watched my son, and he pitched okay, but he labored, and he labored. And I finally, I went to the dugout. True story. And it broke my heart. And he came over to the side of the dugout, and I looked into his eyes, and he had tears in his eyes. And I said, son, what's wrong? And he said, dad, I'm just trying. I don't think I'm a good pitcher anymore. I just, he lost all his confidence. And so I looked at him, and I said, son, I said, you are a wonderful pitcher. You are a great baseball player. No matter whether you throw a ball or a strike, I love you, and I will always love you. And so now, and this is where I turned the emotions off and I got into coach mode. Now, here's what I want you to do. You go out there and don't aim it. You just throw it. You throw it with confidence and boldness. And whether you win or lose, I don't care. You just go out there and trust in the ability that God has given you because he's gifted you with a gift. Now go use it. True story, third and fourth inning. At the end of the game, the coach came over me and said, hey, he was a different pitcher in the third and fourth inning. What got into him? And I looked at the coach. I said, he lost his confidence in the ability that God gave him. Now here's, I share that. Some of you are like, what happened? They lost the game one to nothing. Not every Christian story ends with a win. But let me tell you something. In life, my son learned a lesson that we all need to learn. Many of us are approaching life without any confidence in the Savior who's given us boldness. And when we're faced with a vertical choice, we dip our toes and we say, well, I think I can, maybe I don't, I don't know. You are a follower of Jesus. You've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. And there is a vertical choice sitting right in front of you right now. And you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders and you're scared to death to take a step of faith. And I just want to look at you and I say, trust in the ability that God's given you. Trust in the Savior of the world that if you call upon his name, you can do anything. You can move mountains. And so if he's calling you to take a step of faith, then you push everything out of the way and you take that step of faith because the God of the universe is on your side.
I think the reason why we don't move is because we keep saying, God, God, come, God, help, God, help. Just like my son came to the dugout and he was looking for his dad. Dad, help me, dad, help me, dad, help me. And it took a father to look at his son and say, no, you've got the ability. Take a step of faith. Don't aim it, throw it. Here's the truth. When we say, God, I want you to change my life, what we really are saying is, God, I want you to change my life as long as I don't have to do anything to change it. When we say, God, help me, God, help me, God, help me. The truth of the matter is, is you have all that you need because the Son of God is there. You want to change your life? Then start taking a step of faith with vertical choices. And that's what Rahab did. And we pick up the story in verse 8. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up onto the roof to talk with the spies. She said this, don't miss this. I know the Lord has given you this land. Did you notice this? Rahab, different culture says, I know that the Lord, do you know that word Lord? You know what that means, right? She said, Lord. She recognized who the God of the Hebrew is. She recognized who he is. And she said it. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard of how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea that when you left Egypt. Now, pause real quick. And I got to say this. So she says, I know that the Lord is real. And it's because of what God did with the Red Sea. If you're not a Christian, the Israelites were leaving Egypt. They came to the Red Sea. They were blocked. God parts the Red Sea. Now, I'm going to make a statement. You might disagree with me, but I truly believe it. The reason why Rahab knew the God of the universe and the Lord was not because God parted the Red Sea. Because think about it. If the Israelites had started to cross the Red Sea and they panicked and all of a sudden the waters closed in on them and killed them all, she would not believe in the God who parted the Red Sea. Because it says, yeah, God parted the Red Sea. But he didn't just part the Red Sea. He delivered his children to freedom. That's what inspired her to believe in God. And so for all of us in this room, we have to understand that God is there and God has done great things, but it's because of what an individual did, what the Israelites did, how the Israelites took steps of faith. You heard Aaron say, the best way to know God is to know someone who knows God. Guess what? The reason why Christianity suffers in our culture today is because there's not enough Christians taking steps of faith so that others can see us and go, that guy knows God, so I wanna know about God. Does that make sense? We need more of us crossing the Red Sea so that the Rahabs of the world can look and be inspired by the vertical choices we make and say, there is a God and I believe in who he is. And Rahab is there talking with him and the conversation continues. No one has the courage, she says, to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord, your God, is the supreme God of the heavens above the earth and below. She recognizes who God is. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, did you catch this? Wouldn't you love it if we as Christians, we started taking steps of faith and when we took a step of faith, rather than saying, okay, God, I'm gonna take a step of faith. I hope you come through. I hope this works out. I hope it gets better. Wouldn't you rather be like Rahab and take a step of faith and say, God, I am trusting you and I can't wait to see what you're gonna do. This is gonna be incredible. See, I'm tired. I'm punchy. You gotta forgive me. A little, But isn't it true? We serve a God who can move mountains if we just believe. 
She says that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all of their families. And so she makes that argument. You know, honestly, let's be honest in this room as we land the plane, okay? We're almost done. For some of us, it's been a really, really long time, hasn't it, since we last took a step of faith. We come to church, we hear a message, take a step of faith, and it's too general, and we just say, hmm, I need to do better. But if we were to really, like, articulate it and write it down and journal it, what vertical choices today did I make? God, when you said something, what did I do with it? Or am I just plain Christian? Let's be honest. Am I just filling my weeks? Am I just checking it off the list? Am I just coming and sitting and feeling good and going home and doing nothing? I think a lot of us do that. So what does it look like to make a vertical choice? Let me break it down and make it easy for you. Here's some vertical choices. What does a step of faith look like? Don't talk about a coworker this week. Don't talk about a boss. Don't talk about a spouse. Don't talk about a neighbor. Don't talk about a student. Don't talk about me. <laughs> Behind their backs. Don't participate in a white lie. Do you notice we, we put white before it and we think that it's okay? No, it's still a lie. Don't be a sourpuss. I'm trying today. I really am. I'm tired, but I'm trying. Do encourage. Do talk to those that no one will talk with. Do give. Do trust. So what can you do starting today to be able to trust in the God of the universe? We close with this. When we come into the land... The spies tell Rahab, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it's not our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on the people inside this house, we accept the responsibility of their death. And if you betray us, however, we're not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she said. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Now, it's interesting because in the original language, in our translation, it says rope. But in the original Hebrew language, that word actually means cord. And if you were to understand the difference between a rope and a cord, a rope is for recreational use. It's for decor. But if you are an adventurer or if you are a paramedic or if you are someone in life-saving business, you don't use ropes. You use cords because cords are used for emergencies. Cords are the ones that are really strong and will not break. They are for safety. They are for life. And isn't it interesting that the spies said, I want you to take this cord, which is representative of salvation, and I want you to hang it out your window. But I don't want you to just take any cord. You might say, well, where did the cord come from? And theologians will say that the cord was laying in the house. And, I, and, and if I, I don't know if it's true or not, but in my theology, I love it if it is. I can imagine that these spies were impromptu by God to be able to pick that cord because of the color of the cord, which is scarlet, as if to say, your salvation doesn't come through us. Your salvation comes from a higher purpose. And it is scarlet red, representing the blood of Jesus Christ the same blood that you and I are covered by. And if we choose to take a step of faith, we can celebrate that same salvation. 
If you're here today and you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders and right now you're not feeling any better because now you feel even guiltier. Oh my gosh, I don't take any step of faith. Oh my gosh, it's just terrible. Rahab in culture, Pharisees and Sadducees wouldn't give Rahab another look. They would have condemned her as someone that is not even worth God's time. And God used the life of Rahab to show you that you're not a loser and that he has a plan and a purpose and he can deliver you from that weight. You wanna know why? Isn't it ironic that if you go to New York City, you're gonna find that statue on one side of the street of Atlas? But do you know right across the street is St. Patrick's Cathedral? And do you know that there's a statue inside of St. Patrick's Cathedral? And it's a, pi- a picture of Jesus Christ as a little boy. And do you know what he's holding in his hand? Take a look. The world. And it's a reminder to you and I that if you've got the weight on your shoulders, Jesus Christ can take that weight off and the little boy of Jesus could hold that world in his hand. He's strong enough to hold all of your weight in the palm of his hands and he is the key to deliver you from where you are at today if you trust him. So what vertical choice are you gonna make today? And will you allow God to take the weight off your shoulders? Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much. I thank you that in the eyes of a little boy, this message came clear to me last night. And God, there are so many in this room that right now they're aiming it. And God, you are screaming into their hearts, just throw it. Just trust me. Because God, you've given us all that we need If you tell us to take a step of faith, you've given us everything we need to accomplish it. And so God, it's time for us to live like Rahab and for us to believe that when we take that step of faith, we can't wait to see what you're going to do because we trust in your power. So Father, we love you. We bless you today. We pray these things in Jesus' name.